Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. And Bruce Nolan. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. Nick is on hiatus, so again, you're going to have to deal with me for this Friday episode of the Nick and Nolan Show. I hope your week was well. I hope your week was fantastic, and we're going to find a fun way to cap it off. I hope you enjoyed the little detour we took yesterday where we went through the Bills quarterbacks since Jim Kelly, and I gave you my personal ranking of them. I hope it was able to facilitate some interesting discussion amongst you, your loved ones, and the mafia at large. Today, we're going to take a quick and early look at the Bills wide receiver room because I think the dynamics of that room have changed more than potentially any room on this team. I understand there was a lot of turnover at defensive line, but the addition of Stefan Diggs drafting two players, I think those things top it out just because the room could look so different this year than it did last year. In addition, there's going to be some difficult decisions to be made this year by this regime when it comes to who stays and who goes. As far as players who last year may have had a, a reasonable role on this team, maybe not making the team this year. There's been a lot of additions and they've pushed some people who were previously safe potentially to the roster bubble. So I think it'd be an interesting time to just have an early look at the wide receiver room and let's chat a little bit about what we think might happen based on the history of this regime and this coaching staff as far as what they've done at the position in addition to the potential benefits that keeping each player could have as far as adding traits to your final 53. So without further ado, let's start at the top of the wide receiver room. And that is obviously Stefan Diggs. He was brought in to be the unquestioned number one of this team. And so because of that, John Brown might see a smaller target share this year than he did last year. But Stefan Diggs is a little bit 
of everything. He can run vertically. He can separate in the short area. He doesn't have crazy size, but he does well at contested catches. His ability to win quickly off the line, specifically beating press coverage, I think will help Josh Allen quite a bit as it relates to his struggles against cover one and cover zero man coverage that he saw last year. One of the ways that you could hurt Josh Allen, if you look at his splits, against man versus his splits against zone, there is a market uptick in Josh Allen's performance against zone coverage. And one of the reasons why is because last year we didn't necessarily have a lot of weapons who could get off man coverage easy and be able to penalize people for playing that coverage against them. John Brown is a good route runner, but they needed an additional option against man coverage, specifically press man coverage, and they got it in Stefan Diggs. So you have to be able to make a defense pay if they're going to play you a certain way. And all too often when defenses would go one high or zero high against Josh Allen and play man across the board, specifically press man, they would run into problems, the Bills offense would, in being able to attack the passing game because, number one, Josh Allen's deep ball was not happening. And one of the ways you beat cover one is with vertical routes. And if your deep ball is not landing, that's going to be problematic. Now, the other reason is because you need multiple receivers who can beat press coverage at the line of scrimmage. You can't win four seconds into your route. By then, the pressure's got there because there's not as many people in coverage typically, and they're sending extra rushers. You need to be able to win early on in your route. And so if you leave your separation to the route stem, you might not make it that far based on what play was called. So you needed an additional receiver to be able to help that. And that's what Stefan Diggs provides to the Bills. And so I really think he's a great fit from a schematic standpoint. Obviously, you'd like to have someone with big, with, you know, significant size. But the fact of the matter is that Stefan Diggs can win at the areas that you were going to look for that size receiver to win anyway when it comes to contested catches and the ability to win in the red zone and things like that. So I think that Stefan Diggs unquestionably is the wide receiver one of this team, and he probably should be when it comes to target share because the other you know, elephant in the room when it comes to Stefan Diggs is there have been some questions in regards to his emotional personality. Now, we've seen in the past that emotional personalities don't necessarily mean you're a poor sport. I think the cameras in Minnesota caught Stefan Diggs talking to Kirk Cousins on the sidelines at one point and said, listen, man, don't worry about me. Don't force it to me. It's going to come. That's not something that a diva wide receiver necessarily always says. So, I think that there's clearly some emotions at play with Stephon Diggs. He's an emotional guy, but Terrell Owens was a crazy emotional guy. And a lot of people said he was one of the best teammates they've ever had from a work ethic and, you know, being able to always show up from a, from a practice standpoint, he practiced like a maniac. And so being emotional is not necessarily a bad thing, but I think that him being the unquestioned wide receiver one is going to be a good thing in that regard. We move on to John Brown. John Brown is an upper echelon wide receiver two in this league. I think he was a little miscast as a wide receiver one because I think there's some limits to his game, but his ability to win versus man coverage at his route stem by separating, I think is good. His ability to win vertically was hampered because of Josh Allen's failure to be able to hit him on multiple deep balls last year. I think that John Brown could have had an even better year if Josh Allen's deep ball had come around the way we hoped it 
was going to and the way we hope it will in 2020. I think that you could make an argument that the top three receivers for the Bills, Diggs, Brown, Beasley, are some of the best trios in the top echelon of the best trios of route running wide receivers in the league. I, they do lack size for sure, but they can all get vertical. They can all win versus man coverage. You have a good slot receiver. You can move Stefan Diggs around if you wanted to. I think that specifically with route running, I think you can make an argument they're one of the top trios in the league, which brings us to Cole Beasley, who I think is an above average slot receiver in the league. I think that Josh Allen needed a player like Cole Beasley last year. I think that because the deep ball wasn't landing for Josh Allen last year, last year could have potentially been disastrous if he didn't have someone like Cole Beasley on his side. I think that if Cole Beasley hadn't gotten signed, I remember Brandon Bean saying that they were talking to Brown and Beasley simultaneously and they wanted to close them. They wanted to close them on the bills. They wanted to get them locked up and signed as close to humanly possible together as possible because they didn't want one of them to see the other one sign and go, ah, well, you know, that it's they already got their guy. I, I want to go somewhere else because they're very different players and they feel very different roles. I think that if they wouldn't have done that and if Beasley would have potentially gone somewhere else, gone to the Patriots, gone to the Titans, if he would have gone somewhere else and Allen's deep ball did not come to play in 2019 as it didn't, I think that it could have been a potentially a step back year for Josh Allen. I think the Cole Beasley's presence against man coverage and giving him specifically that third down blanket that he was looking for, I think was really valuable to him. And I additionally think the way that Cole Beasley gravitated toward Josh Allen, calling him a dog and being able to get entirely behind him, I think gives credence to that that process of Josh Allen potentially becoming the franchise quarterback that we all hope he will become because you have an outsider who's only played with him for at the time when he made those comments, Cole Beasley had only played with him for a little bit and being able to speak that highly of him and say, Hey man, I'll go to war with this guy. I think that speaks volumes for the way that Josh Allen is perceived in the locker room. The people who have grown up and come in to the league as rookies, and Josh Allen's all that they know as far as NFL quarterbacks coming. When you have Cole Beasley, where that's not all that Cole Beasley knows. Cole Beasley has played with other quarterbacks, other upper echelon quarterbacks. When he comes in, he says that, that lends credence to the idea that Josh Allen could potentially be the guy. And I think that's valuable as well. So I really think the top three are pretty much set. So from here on in, we're going to skip down to the bottom two. The bottom two being players that I really, really, really don't anticipate, barring something catastrophic, I don't anticipate them having a reasonable chance to make the roster. So we did the top three who are absolute, bona fide, and active God locks. Then we're going to go all the way to the bottom of the roster where we have Ray Ray McLeod and Nick Easley. I think both of them are auditioning for potentially other teams and or practice squads across the league. I do not quite understand the obsession with this regime and Ray Ray Clown giving his ball handling issues that he has shown, but he's back for another year. And Nick Easley is an interesting developmental slot guy for a team that has room for that particular player on their roster. And I don't think the bills have it. So I think that either one of them making the roster would be an extreme upset at this point. So really the battle and the interest for this roster starts 
at spot number four and goes to spot number nine because you have Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Isaiah Hodgins, Andre Roberts, Duke Williams, and Robert Foster. So you have four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. You have six players fighting for what I truly believe are three spots because I think the Bills are going to carry six receivers. Why do I think they're going to carry six receivers? Well, they carried six and 19. They carried six and 18, and they carried six and 17. So I think it's reasonable data to make me think that they might carry six. Now, could they, you know, completely go backwards and carry seven receivers? They could absolutely do that. And I don't think that this year would necessarily be a bad time to carry seven because of some discussions we're going to get into later. But really, you have six people competing for three, maybe an outside chance of four spots. So we talked about the top three receivers. We're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back. We're going to finish off the rest of the wide receiver depth chart and talk about what we think might happen and what might play a role into making roster decisions for this coaching staff. Stick with me. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. Let's dive right back into things. The next spot on this list goes to Gabriel Davis. I really don't think that fourth round picks get cut at the wide receiver position crazy often. I don't think that Gabriel Davis, especially given the fact that he adds a completely different size dynamic to the wide receiver room and was a early day three pick, I do not think that he is someone who, unless something crazy happens, will get cut from this team. So I think that he's as a reasonable lock to make this team, not necessarily a hard crazy lock like the top three Diggs, Brown, and Beasley are, but I think there's a very, very, very high chance that Gabriel Davis makes the team. Gabriel Davis is a pure perimeter boundary vertical receiver, ran a crazy limited route tree at UCF, just crazy limited, and he's going to have a lot of work to do when it comes to understanding that there are lots of different routes that he's going to have to run as a boundary receiver in Brian Dable's offense. And he can't just run comebacks, slants, goes. That's He's going to have to do something aside from that. And he's going to have to become nuanced with those routes. Now, I think that his ability to separate vertically 
deep into the route because that last couple yards of the 40 are always interesting to me because we spend a lot of time talking about the 10-yard split and your ability to separate the short area and how the 10-yard split talks about acceleration, how quickly you can get to top speed. But there's an interesting back half dynamic as well because if you're someone who's actually still accelerating in the back half of your 40, we usually refer to that as build-up speed when we talk about scouting reports. And there's an area where that's beneficial, and it's specifically vertical routes. Your ability to separate farther into the route, which is something that might be able to help Josh Allen develop a deep ball if you know Gabriel Davis can play this year's role that potentially maybe fills that same space that 2018 Robert Foster did. The 2018 Robert Foster was a vertical receiver for Josh Allen, who was able to kind of separate deep and run underneath those balls. If Gabriel Davis can be to this offense what Robert Foster was in 2018, I think he can carve out a nice little role for himself, even though he's a rookie and pretty much designated to going no higher than fourth on the depth chart. The next spot's Isaiah McKenzie. I really wish Isaiah McKenzie had better ball handling skills because his ability to return kicks and punts would be really helpful to combine him and Andre Roberts into one player. The fact that your returner is not also your gadget guy is problematic because it causes you to contemplate wasting a roster spot. And that's essentially what the Bills had to do last year. We don't know if they're going to do it this year or not, but last year they had to carry Andre Roberts for returning and Isaiah McKenzie for the gadget stuff, for the jet sweep motion, for the ability to hold that backside linebacker, which is so important in this offense because specifically we don't have burners in the backfield. Neither Devin Singletary nor Zach Moss have very serious long speed. And so the ability to hold that backside linebacker with that jet action motion is helpful in this offense more so than other offenses. And so Isaiah McKenzie plays a role. I just wish he played more roles. I wish he played that role and the returning role. And I don't feel comfortable. I think a lot of people are kind of down on Andre Roberts because like, I don't see the value. Do we not remember what it was like holding our breath every time Isaiah McKenzie fielded a punt? Because I rock solid when Andre Roberts is back there that he's going to catch the punt and get us good yardage. And there was at one point I was watching back the, uh, Bills-Cowboys Thanksgiving game, one of my favorite games, I would argue Josh Allen's best game. And at that time, the broadcaster said, you know, the Bills lead the league in kickoff return average. And I'm like, yeah, I wonder how many people remember that about Andre Roberts when they're divvying up who's going to make this wide receiver room and who's going to make this roster. But Isaiah McKenzie has a valuable role. I just wish he did more. Next person is Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins also fills an interesting role for the Bills because I think he gives us a David Nelson-like big slot receiver. One of Isaiah Hodgins' issues in college was being able to separate from press coverage. And I think that one of the things that hurts him there is he's very thin. There's not a lot of size on Isaiah Hodgins. And so being able to put him in the slot helps him separate when otherwise he might get pressed as a boundary receiver. And we don't have a big slot. Duke Williams is the person who currently would fill that role on this team. And I think Isaiah Hodgins has markedly better hands and is a markedly better prospect than Duke Williams is. He's not quite the blocker that Duke Williams is, but 
if you want to look for that big slot potential role, if that is significant enough to be a role that you would devote a wide receiver spot to, then the argument is between Isaiah Hodgins and Duke Williams. Andre Roberts, I already talked about. I think that I would like to see them experiment with Andre Roberts as the gadget guy, as the horizontal jet motion guy. Because if he's capable of doing it, it eliminates your need to carry Isaiah McKenzie on this roster, which frees up another spot. I think there's value there. So I'd like to see in the preseason and in training camp, potentially Andre Roberts get a shot to show that he can do that stuff. You would think that the return skills he shows would translate well to open field running off the jet action. And I'd like to see that opportunity to be able to potentially consolidate that roster spot. Duke Williams is a player I do not think is going to make this roster. And he went from getting 10 targets in a playoff game to potentially being off the team this year. Duke Williams has been a great story, and I have been happy that he's been able to turn around and be a player in this league after what happened with his career earlier and the mistakes that he made that he absolutely owned up to. His attitude has been unbelievable and his teammates very clearly root for him. And I think there's value in that. I think there's value in what Sean McDermott says when he says you can come to Buffalo and be the best version of yourself. I think Duke Williams is one of your more obvious candidates for that particular creed to be able to say, look at Duke Williams who came here and was the best version of himself. I think Duke Williams is a rosterable receiver in this league. I think if when the Bills were to get rid of Duke Williams, I think he would be picked up by another team. And I think that's one of the joys of this wide receiver room versus the 2017 wide receiver room and the 2018 specifically wide receiver room. When you look at the likes of Calvin Benjamin and you look at the likes of Andre Holmes and Jeremy Curley as being the receivers for the final 53, I think we've gotten so far from those days to the point where now we're cutting rosterable players. And I think that Duke Williams is going to struggle to make this team. I think his ability to play on special teams will help if he can play a a role on kickoff coverage, but he doesn't gun on punt teams because he doesn't have the wheels. So that's going to hurt him as well. And so there, there may be injuries that would allow him to be able to make this roster. But barring that, I think that there's going to be some trouble to have him make the roster this year. Robert Foster is another player I'm not entirely sure makes this roster this year. Now, he has something Duke Williams doesn't have, which is the ability to gun on special teams. But I think that we just got somebody who we're hoping will fill his role that he played for this team at a high level in 2018. And I already mentioned that's Gabriel Davis. So Robert Foster is a little bit faster than Gabriel Davis, but Gabriel Davis was a fourth round draft pick of this regime. He's going to get every opportunity to fill the role that Robert Foster filled in 2018 at a higher level and make this roster. The Robert Foster scenario here in Buffalo has been very bizarre. He went from being someone who was a breakout candidate, someone who people were talking about being potentially wide receiver one for this team going into last year to all of a sudden getting less than 10 catches on the year. And It is a reasonable question to ask as to what happened with Robert Foster, but he did get cut from this team once before. So I think that there is potentially some dissatisfaction from the coaching staff from Robert Foster. I'm not reporting that. I don't know that for sure, but it seems like a possible outcome 
as far as what they would be dissatisfied with with Robert Foster. But man, it's it's hard to watch that speed go out the door. That's for sure. I remember the Titans game and watching Robert Foster run down the sidelines and thinking that speed is uh, hard to translate. But when you go out and you draft Gabriel Davis and you already shown your lack of willingness to put Robert Foster on the field when you didn't have Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, and Isaiah Hodgins added to the roster. I don't see a reasonable chance for him to make a significant impact on this roster this year, barring something catastrophic. So what is the last thing to consider when you consider the wide receiver room and how many people are going to make this team? And I really think it's traits. It's McKenzie versus Roberts. It's Duke Williams versus Isaiah Hodgins. It's what traits does the coaching staff value? Which ones do they value? Do they value the Isaiah McKenzie jet sweep motion more than the returnability of Andre Roberts? Do they value the big slot role, the ability to have that role filled? Because we talked about, Nick and I talked about the difference between a role and a position. Do they value that role enough to devote a slot of the depth chart to it. Can you look at someone like Duke Williams or Isaiah Hodgins to make the roster because they do something that is valued more than potentially we might think it might be? That's going to be what determines who they keep and who they don't. My prediction right now, again, we're going to see how preseason goes, but my prediction right now is the Bills will keep six and they will keep Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, Andre Roberts, and Isaiah McKenzie. I think that Isaiah Hodgins is an excellent practice squad candidate because of his ability to need to put more lean muscle mass on and get bigger. And I think that there's a chance that because he's far enough down the depth chart that he might not make the splashes in preseason necessary for the Bills to be scared of potentially exposing him to waivers. In addition, he was a sixth-round pick for a reason. We can't get overly attached to these late day three players in the hopes that we'd be wasting them. Really, when you get to the back half of day three, you're really calling dibs on opportunities. That's what you're doing with the back half of day three. These are players who might all have the same grade for you. You might have a late round slash undrafted free agent grade on a ton of these players. It's which ones do I want to give, which ones do I want to call dibs on is what it is. I want to call dibs on this player because I want to get first crack at this guy auditioning for this team. That's really what late day three picks are. And so we can't get overly attached to them concept that we absolutely cannot cut a sixth round pick because we can because you're just auditioning. You're get calling dibs on people who probably have similar grades to people you take in the seventh round, who probably have similar grades to people who went undrafted. You just happen to call dibs. And that's what drafting is at that point in the 256 or 255 man draft, depending on your year. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for this edition of the Nick and Nolan show, a dive into the wide receiver depth chart and what we think might happen. I appreciate you all joining me for this. Next week, we have a really, really interesting couple of pods scheduled for you. One of that I'm really excited about. And then a beginning to a podcast series that will stretch on for a little bit that I think will be valuable when it comes to lining up the Bills talent 
next to the AFC East as a whole. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Bruce Exclusive. I enjoyed being here, and I have one last thing to say in regards to the wide receiver room, and that was something that really just came to me while we were recording right now, and I want to make sure I get it on tape because, you know, sometimes I wonder if the quarantine's starting to get to my head. You know, sometimes I wonder if this coronavirus nonsense is really starting to affect my judgment, but I think no. No, 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 no. I just did a pod on wide receiver. I had notes. It was great. Yesterday, we did a pod on on the ranking of the Bills quarterbacks, and I think that was really fun, and, and there's no way this is affecting me mentally because really... <laughs> I'm going to share with you my wisdom and you can tell me whether or not I'm being crazy, but this is the thing I want to share with you and you can judge for yourself. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts.